Hey, thanks for listening, guys. It's Bryn. And I'm Brooke. And we are unformally known as Bree and Burn by Jimmy Lewis. Tonight, Logan and Jimmy discuss used bike buying options, the unfamiliar territory of moose, and a discussion whether using the Rabaconda or your knees is the better option. And now here's our word from our very own sponsors. Hey, Logan, you know how you're always hearing that recluses are for old dudes? Yeah. Well, that's not really the case. Recluses make you a better rider. Why? Because they're like an auto clutch. It is an auto clutch. It's like you don't have to do any of the work. It does all the work for you. So whenever somebody says, oh, yeah, those are for old dudes, I just laugh and say, it's because you've never used one before or you're chicken. Do you want to be a better rider? Yeah. Okay. How would you find out about that? Uh, You can find them at www.recluse.com. And how you spell it is R-E-K-L-U-S-E. That's www.recluse.com. And... uh, It'll make you a better rider out on the trail. So now here's the show. Welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is show number 95 where Jimmy and Logan try to talk about motorcycle and motorcycle related related projects when the technologies work for us. But that can be a little um, tough sometimes, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So uh, you have a new outfit on since the last yeah. time I saw it. Well, I saw you once. When did I see? I saw him once gimping around, right? Do you want to tell your fans what happened? We mentioned it on the show. We mentioned you had you got a boo-boo. Yeah. What uh, What happened? Um, crashed a dirt bike and spent some time in a hospital and broke three bones. Three bones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, which which bones are those? Scapula and two ribs. Right. And one of the ribs managed to punch a hole in your lung. Yeah. That's the bad part, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and what did you tell me before the show started? Um, uh, whenever I talk a lot, I start running out of breath. So you you said you can't do any of the any of the reads that are longer than five lines. Yeah. And any of the questions that are longer, because oh, Logan. Uh, we didn't have a chance. I didn't know this is news to me. Um, anything that's longer than five lines now, I have to do. So you have to you have to ask short questions. We're just going to be short and to the point. But I mean, I actually originally had you on the show because you didn't say anything. Yeah. So is this going to change much? That's what I want to know. Um. No. No. Okay. Do you, do you feel any pressure to talk more now that you can only talk a little bit? Uh. No. I like this reverse psychology stuff. Um. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining in. Um, thanks for putting up with our jump starts. Uh, we, uh, Bob, we're going to answer your question. It's on the it's on the docket. Um, let's see. Uh, scars are forever trophies. You have any scars yeah. from this? Um, one. One. The chest tube. Oh, geez. Yeah, I don't want to know anything about that stuff. Um, that's why I rode slow the whole time I rode. Because I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to have this. Uh, I didn't want to have any of that stuff. Um, yeah, we have a we have a full list of questions. Uh, this show is brought to you by Honda. How many lines is that? Um, you think you can pull that one off? Maybe. Okay, here we go. Um, Honda's new 2021 Sierra 450R is designed to take you straight from the starting gate to Victory Circle with this open, this awesome open cross cross class. Class motocrosser features all new chassis and a major major engine overhaul, new suspension and new bodywork. 
and you can forget about clutch fade adjustment or hand fatigue with the new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, the Sierra 450R explodes out of corners when it's time to increase your lead. So go on down to your local dealer and check out the 2021 Honda Sierra 450R. Go to mx.honda.com to see our full lineup of competition bikes. The Sierra 450R is intended for close course operation only. I I think that that was the best you've ever read that. Um, maybe maybe this going to school for four days a week is helping. Yeah. Or 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 the maybe the pain of. I think I think the pain of having to to spit it out, um, you get it done quicker. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're in. Give me that thing. I'm going to read the KTM one since I'm a KTM guy, right? Uh, KTM also helps uh, this podcast. They're powered by a distinct ready race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high performance street and off road sport motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world. And the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. You, you almost have that memorized. Um, almost. Almost. Yeah, because we called you last time and asked for that one. Didn't, yeah. didn't, go, didn't go too good. No. But uh, everybody, thanks for joining in because I, I bet you could probably be watching and watch the count go down. Watch the, the total count of views. You could be watching Supercross right now on a Tuesday night. But you may be watching us ding dongs, or maybe you're doing it at the same time because because that gets really boring in between races, like all the same stuff. So we'll try to uh, help you out. And uh, in Supercross, it's a it's kind of Honda versus KTM right now. A little bit of that going on. In uh, the climb, of course, uh, has their 2021 Dakar gear is out. It's actually in stock, and uh, you can get it. Well, it's in stock, but it goes away pretty quick, seems like. So I have my new stuff. I like the new colors. Um, the pants got a little bit better. So good all around. Um, okay. Uh, Want to go straight into the uh, into the questions there, Logan? We Most of our questions were farmed. If you're, if you're not familiar with how we do this, um, we uh, kind of post that we're going to do this show on Facebook and we get our questions in that post when we say, Hey, we're going to do tech talk taco Tuesday night. I, f I weed through all of the uh, YouTube comments, which mostly are just, just junk. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know who has the time to post some of this stuff, like why they would even make the effort to, to put some of that stuff out. But so we go, I, the, the good ones, I do check and we will answer your question, especially if it's on one of our videos about bikes or if it's on the, the show, um, the last show, we kind of read the new show questions on, and then, um, we're not going to go to YouTube live just yet because in order to multi-stream on different things, it's, uh, it starts costing money and there's not a lot of money coming in. I'm going to talk to I was going to talk to Trevor about his race, but I'll talk to him about money now because the tables have turned over at Dirt Bike Test. So I need to start sending me some money. <laughs> and uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of other ways. Um, you can click through on Dirt Bike Test and at the bottom of the Fresh Dirt Stories, there's Amazon links. Um, search for your stuff there. Buy stuff there. We get a little chunk of that. Um, if you knew Logan's email address, you could send him money and then I would I would try to wring it out of him. How else can we get money, Logan? Changing tires. Yeah. Yeah. We could change t change your tires, and we'll we'll give you money. 
In fact, uh, no, you give us money. In fact, I, there's a there's a video I did where I changed some tires, and the guy was really happy about it. So, okay, first question. What's up? Um, hi, Jimmy. Thanks for answering my last few questions. New question for you. I'm looking for a CA green sticker bike to ride around with my son. 14 years old. He currently rides the KLX 140 and already has a 2-inch lower lowered CRF 250X for him. We ride local Bay Area motorcycle slash OHV parks. Um, I need to pick up a used bike for me. I could get another 250X, but I'm wondering if the KTM 250XCFW from earlier years from 2000 to 2011 to keep the price around 3K to 3.5K, if possible. What's your opinion and any other options in that price range? See, he's, he's, he's going right down Sponsor Alley there. You know, he's deciding yeah. between a Honda and a KTM, which is good. So I don't have to worry about any other brands, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think, so you're familiar with the, the Honda 250X and um, in, in like that $3,000 price range and looking for 250Xs, that's a dangerous zone. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like used race bikes that might be like third hand by now that you're not really sure of the history. And those bikes tend to be when they're ridden pretty hard, tend to be sort of fragile. All of them doesn't matter the brand. Um, but I think the probably the most man, what would be the most durable 250F? I would it, it's I'm guessing it's kind of a, almost a three way tie in my world. It's it's KTM, Yamaha and Honda would be the three the three brands. And each year kind of has some known issues There was some small end bearing small end um, um, pin on the Yamaha and the early of the early versions of the reverse motor. Uh, KTMs, I think were overall pretty good, um, but they've also had some issues. And then Honda's had some valve issues in the the early uh, days of the 250F. So, but that's what you're looking at when you're looking at the three thousand dollar price range. It seems like if you go up to like four, you're kind of getting a little bit safer. You know, it's just there's something about that. And right now, you know, used bikes have a pretty good price. So, um. I think if you can get into fuel injection, uh, you, you're way better off at this point. So when you start looking at carburetors, that's going to bring the price down and the maintenance up because you're definitely going to have to do any rebuilding on that. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I think at that point, it's it's whatever you can get that looks like it hasn't been abused. Um, and that's a that's kind of a skill <laughs> in, its, uh, in itself because I just bought a I just got a 2020 that was not abused and I found something wrong with it. And I was like, I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> at least I got a good price. Right. So I can uh, figure it, figure out the, uh, figure out the, the solution to this. And I know some people, so maybe I get, get, get a good deal or something. So, uh, okay. Um, Jimmy, what's your thoughts on in running a moose in the front of a 790 R adventure bike as ender- insurance against a flat not relying on it unless the tire loses air on a normal basis ever ran one with air pressure on it 
That's a that's a really good question. This is a, this actually got my brain thinking, and it's something I've never I've not tried. Uh, but uh, remind me to go back to that first question again. One more one other thing. Um, so what he's asking is is putting a moose in the front of an adventure bike that has kind of a larger. Usually they're 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 a larger rim. It's not a one point eight five, or they're like two point one five. And and putting a moose in there sort of is a run flat device. So he's he's going to have a tubeless tire. But he wants to stuff a moose in there. And so I actually called um, uh, Jeff over at NewTek and I said, hey, what do you think about this? Because the one thing you want to do with moose is make sure it's tight inside the tire. And this is definitely not going to be tight. It's going to wobble around in there. But the air pressure is going to be holding the tire in the shape that it should be for the most part, which would maybe. So the answer is we didn't know if this would work. Um so guess what we're <laughs> guess what we're testing now? Guess what's going to go in the front of one of my adventure bikes? Because I got to do a front tire, so I'm going to stuff a moose in there, and you know a tubeless one just to see what happens. This is how you test stuff. But yeah. it was actually a super you know interesting question, a good idea. You know, there's um, you, you, they yeah, there's just lots of different things you know that could happen inside there. You know, maybe the tire could you know the moose could wander around. It could cause friction in weird spots, and then so we don't know. So we're gonna play with it and see if it works out because that could be a really cool thing as a as a as a stopgap if you did get a flat tire. The problem is because he he mentioned in his email that his tire actually did come off the rim when he was riding it, but he was able to reseat it and get it beaded back up, which was lucky. But the moose is not gonna help hold that tire. It, it could a little bit. You know, because when it when it smashes down, it's going to squish the moose outward. But that's one of the tasks of a, a tight fitting moose is so that it pushes the bead outward onto the tire. And I don't know if that would happen when you got the flat, if it would all be wobbling around in there and it could cause more problems than it's worth. So we'll have to uh, have to test out. Hey, back to that first question um, to uh, I didn't put his name, did I? No, no. Uh, about the the. Um, Bikes up. See, since you're in California and you you have to have a green sticker, this is another thing that's going to drive the price up a little bit. The green sticker bikes tend to command a little bit of a price, and where you're riding, you need to have a you know a green sticker type bike. So, um, yeah, that's something to to think about. But either of those um, either of those bikes, like the KTM 250, the XCFW, there was a, there was a group of them after they stop making the exc the 250 exc and they start making that xcfw um some of those bikes were actually pretty good because they were kind of overbuilt as they were they were building like 350s and they were they're building to be 350s and the 250s are pretty good and if you can get a 350 that'd be even better <laughs> so okay next um finish that guy's thing oh no we we covered that one okay. yeah. yeah danny that was danny turner yeah yeah uh, some tool email. Oh, let me handle this one. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I get a lot of really stupid emails and, uh, and I, I get they're, they're They always want to partner with us at dirt bike test. They want to partner with us or, or this other, I saw this one that was really interesting and it just goes to my point. It says, it says basically reviews matter, but in 2020 requests for them, get a, get lost in email. I'm asking that something that's getting lost in email, but I fished it out. Northwestern U University studied 15.5 million page views and found that displaying reviews can increase your conversion rate by as much as 380 percent. 
if that's true, <laughs> how come we're not rich? Because <laughs> I could give you a 380% boost, just call me, but it, evidently I'm supposed to call this person and then they're going to put my stuff someplace else and make it work for who? Anyways, uh, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna help, they're gonna be the tool to help us through minimal effort, and my feedback will only help us, which means them, uh, build a better product. Of course it will. <laughs> so, okay. Um, should we take one from the from, from the room for a second there, Logan? Uh, Scott Glimp. Glimp, yes. I wonder if he's the Scott Glimp I used to race against in uh, yeah, that, Best in the Desert back in the early 90s. Yeah. It is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he raced Moran a little time. Okay. Big boy. Yeah. What's the question there, Logan? Uh, got a 2009 Honda 450X. Every, ch- every once in a while, the automatic de- depression, decompression doesn't work. It work it. It, yeah, that's a tough one. It's, it doesn't work at top dead center, and the electric start doesn't work. But if I kick it past top dead center, the electric start will turn. If turn over, would it be the ex- exciter? The or actuator on the I, cam gear. Where else should I look? Um. Yeah, that'd be that'd be it. So let's see the way I'm trying to remember the way that that one works, and the on that one it has the big the swing weight like most of them do that that swings out, and if it's not working, I would check. I mean, it's easy to check. Just pull that valve cover off, and it's right there. It's right inside there, and there is I think there's spring in there. Sometimes the spring um, can get messed up or come undone. The spring actually kind of holds it holds it down. For a certain amount of RPM so that it doesn't work. And maybe it's it's something sticky or it could be your starter's not spinning it up fast enough. The electric starter's not getting it going. It's kind of I've I've seen electric start motors go weak and they don't spin it quick enough to get the, the decomp to uh uh to I'm actually I'm thinking the wrong I'm thinking the wrong way. I'm thinking about it activating. It's it's so it's sticking open. Yeah. That would that would make sense. The probably I would check the spring and then check this. Make sure that thing moves. You should just be able to flip it around with your finger and back and forth. Um, I've also seen on some bikes the where it actually goes. The actuator part that goes on the cam actually get um, smashed down a little bit, so it actually doesn't lift up the the uh, the the doesn't open the valve, which could be a problem and. The other thing, because the Honda, the, I'm trying to think of the mechanism, because some of them have like kind of a complex mechanism, but I don't remember that one being like that. What other, what other issues could there be? Uh, trying to think if there was something like, you know, tight valves or something. But if it's, if it's, if the decomp's not working, then the, your valve shouldn't be tight. So I would give, I would give that a try. You know, if you've cooked the oil in it before, it could get kind of gummed up inside there. Um, that would be, those would be my kind of suggestions. I think that might work, but who knows? I've never had that happen. I've had the starters get weak on the Hondas and it doesn't just doesn't for some reason it wasn't, it didn't have a lot to do with the decomp. It was more that the starter was kind of, kind of bad. Okay. Next, uh, 
Next question on the on the sheet. Um, Jordan Siegel. Segel. Hi, Jimmy. Have you written a Beta 500 RRS? I think it will be suitable for riding the terrain we have in northern Alberta, which is a mix of sand and hard pack with rocks. I have not seen many four-stroke Betas in the wild, but I... It looks like a good option in in the dual sport market. Appreciate the work you do. So, uh, Jordan, I haven't ridden um, a big bore beta four stroke now for probably three or so, three or four years, three or four generations of that bike. So I don't know specifically on the on the new ones, but I did have uh, 500 previous to that. And it was. It was in the same ballpark as the KTM 500, um, maybe just not as polished and refined because I think they were just getting dialed in with the fuel injection at that point. So um, I think as far as, as it goes now, it would be just like any other, you know, 500 four stroke. The bikes are all really good. Um, and I don't I don't think it matters so much the the you know, the terrain. And I, I mean, if you're seeing guys ride KTM 500s up there, you're not going to see a big difference based on just how a, a beta would work or perform. Um, it would the same, it would work the same there as it would at any place else. The difference between the two, two brands, two bikes. Um, but uh, if you're noticing everybody's riding two strokes, <laughs> there's probably a reason for that. Uh, it might be the terrain kind of dictating that a little bit, a little bit more, but um yeah, we've got. A, I've just got a. I got the Beta 200 showed up. Poor Logan's too gimpy to ride it. Yeah, new Beta 2. I don't know how long it's here for, so you better heal up quick. So yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think it would be as good as as good as anything. A lot of times, you know, the guys that are looking to buy Betas, you're just looking for something different. I mean, the KTM's are like you know, like Hondas. Remember when we were growing up, like us growing up everybody had a honda like you didn't maybe you know there was times when most people had a husky and you never saw huskies for was it 30 years <laughs> 30 years one way so it's just uh a little bit different um yeah so that is the right scott glimp he confirmed that in the uh, thing check thanks i'll check the starter that could be not spinning the motor fast enough yes new battery weird it doesn't do it constantly could it be the starter yeah, could be. Next, uh, San Felipe Bob. As you and likely most. Do of you know? Do you know San Felipe Bob? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You met him before? Yeah. Just through the YouTube's or in person? In person, I think. He showed up someplace, at a race. I think here. Oh, here. Yeah. He's been out here. Oh yeah, I think he came. Like he came the forties. He, he came to the forties. Was he on the show? No, like in the peanut gallery of no. the forties. I don't remember him being here. He'll confirm in a minute. Um, he, I think, I think his wife came and took the class a long time ago. But uh, anyways, okay. Um, as you and likely most of your dirt bike test listeners know, I bleed Yamaha blue. I'm considering adding a more specialized, higher performance two-stroke bike to my quiver. I've done lots KTM of, 300. of line reading 
and watching dirt bike test videos. I'm pretty sure the YZ250X checks all of the boxes. KTM 300 with the Cherby's blue plastic. This bike will be used for time to desert enduros, single track mountain trails, and technical desert riding. Um, He's going to list off his 10 reasons why? Yeah. Okay. Blue, lightweight, excellent suspension, tons of OEM and aftermarket parts are available due to immense long production run. Excellent reliability record, two-stroke, cost-effective, easier to pivot than my 2005 WR450. I love the smell of two-stroke in the morning. It's blue. Can you give me three reasons why the Yamaha YZ250X shouldn't be my next bike? Because it's not a KTM 300? <laughs> yeah, okay, so three reasons. Uh, Kickstarter. No, no, it's, it's funny because somebody, he, he put this on the Facebook page, and somebody brought these out. So Kickstarter, um, five-speed transmission, and, um, oh, what was the other one that he put in there? Uh, it's blue. <laughs> no, um, no, Bob, the, the, the it's... It has a carburetor. That's what it was. It has a carburetor. <laughs> That's a good um, But I think, it, in, in, in all honesty, right now, with the, with the two-strokes, I'm going to talk about this. I Because I, um, a lot of people have, have been asking questions about, like, the KTM 300s, the reliability on them, and different things. They've had some different issues. And I asked uh, one of the guys who works in warranty at KTM just about all the, the issues that they're having, which aren't a lot. I mean, everybody thinks they are, but there's not that many. And he tell he tells me straight, and so I found out what the different things are. But I think we're at the point right now where this evolution of two, fuel injection and two stroke, and KTM is currently really the only ones that are doing it. It's going to get a lot better pretty quick, and and mostly from riding the Beta 300 that we just had, it showed me how good carburetors can be. Oh, yeah, hey, Bob, it's not oil injected. You have to mix the gas. I know you like to smell in the morning, but I don't like to mix the gas. So it, it, it's, it is a pretty dated machine. In fact, somebody, there's a comment back in there that says Yamaha should only charge five grand for it since it's such old dated technology. And I'm like, no, there's inflation, bro. <laughs> you know, there, th that bike, the perform once that bike started, once it started and you have a full tank of gas in it, it's going to do everything as good as any other 250 300 two stroke it's a really good bike and it has some characteristics to it that are class leading um especially if you like a really peppy kind of peppy motor it, it's a 250 that easily competes with 300s so good good all-around motorcycle uh but i mean it, it's you know i think you have to probably jet it a little bit more than it seems like the beta from my experience uh, to get it just right. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I say, get it. I mean, then, then I'll stop on the side of the hill, especially when um, your Kickstarter's on the uphill side and it, there's a cliff off to the left. I'll stop there and ask you how you're doing. I always like doing that trick. That was really fun on XR 400s when I had a DRZ 400. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you don't have a lighting coil. There's not a lot of ignition to power lights, if that's something you're interested in. I know you are because I've ridden with you at night before. <laughs> so, yeah, how many more options? How many more down the list down, down, do I need to go? How many more? I got, I got three. Should I go for 10? 
<laughs> so, um, okay. So how are we doing, uh, uh, ladies? Yeah, that's right. There's girls. There's some girls came to to observe the show tonight. They're, uh, it's Bree, Brooke, Brooke, Burn, Bryn. Bryn. See, I'm I'm great with names. There. Burn wants to take Logan's job, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get the name right eventually. Thank you. <laughs> um. I don't even remember my, you know, no. <laughs> so, so, uh, are we doing okay over here? You got this, fig- this show all figured out? Do you watch Logan all the time? You stalk Logan on the, on the show? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one's going no and the other's going yeah. So, um, just let me know when we're doing something wrong. Because it happens, like, all the time. And that's what we need. We need somebody that's sitting on the sidelines that, that says you're not doing this right. And we'll, uh, we'll get it figured out. Uh, let's see. I have to mix my kid's gas. Okay. That's no excuse. Just tell your kid to mix his own gas. He says he's not, he's not scared of jets. Um, uh, he knows a company called Pantera that makes an e-start. Okay. And, uh, he said, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. YZ250 engine is very wide. I'm a diehard Yamaha guy, and this Yamaha guy, and this bugs me. Says Garrett Carlson. Engine's wide. I've I've never noticed it. Not in all the time. You know. You know what else is funny is like is like if your if your engine's wide, then your foot pegs get wider, and then that actually makes the bike handle a little bit better. I always felt like I run wider like wider width foot pegs sometimes, but then it also hits on rocks and things too. So. Yeah, coming coming from a, his WR250, his 2005, um, it's not going to be wide. Um, Logan is blushing. That's what it says. You know what's funny is you can go in the chat room and you can say really mean things, and I might just, like, read them out, out loud on accident. I was thinking when he said he couldn't get past five lines, do you want to borrow my inhaler, Logan? Or? Oh, no. Do you want me to get the oxygen can from the car? Yeah, okay, here it goes. <laughs> Okay, we try to keep the comments limited from the peanut gallery. In fact, you notice we've got a muzzle on Bob. <laughs> That's what we call that now, a muzzle. Um, okay, uh, Curly Stoker says, front brakes Brembo on Husqvarna when brand new. Is there a way to get that original brake bite back, or do I need to get a new rotor along with new pads? So... Uh, well, if you have ever had like fork oil or something, or somebody put cleaner on your rotor and it got baked into your brake pads, just start going down the thing. I mean, the cheapest thing to do is to, is to just replace the brake pads and really clean the rotor. But sometimes if you're running kind of, you know, slippery pads, it'll actually polish the rotor. And so then you do need to get that feeling back. Um, of course, I'm, I'm amazed at how often I find that people just have air in their line. Their, their brake is not bled properly. Um, so that could be a really simple, quick first, um, first check for you to do. Um, uh, I've seen guys uh, sand the rotors, you know, just kind of, kind of um, clean them off that way and then go with new pads. And there are definitely some uh, pads that are, there's good and bad pads. The stock ones are pretty good. Uh, but there's some uh, brands that, you know, I know uh, Galfer 
um, a big fan of Galfer brakes. And there's another company, AP, that makes some pretty um, high-performance brake pads. So sometimes you can kind of step up. Even if the rotor's a little bit off, you can kind of step up the pad material and uh, get better. Um, and just uh, beware of what it seems like a lot of dealer stock are these these red EBC brake pads. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but they're made. I don't know why they make front ones, but they make they make they make them. They're made for people that drag brakes. They're made to not overheat. And it's funny because I see them on people's bikes and I see them on the front. And I've I actually tested some. I was kind of curious about it. So I test them. I could not get them hot enough on the front to actually start working. They need to you need to drag them to develop a lot of heat before the material actually starts gripping. So um, uh, I've always just kind of put that. If you see the red EBC pads, if you drag your brakes and you're overheating your brakes on the rear, they're fine. They'll work for you. But don't put them anyplace else, especially if you don't drag the brakes, because it's like it's like giving away 30 to 40 percent of the, the bite from the brake. So um, hopefully that works. What about the YZ250X? That's what we were talking about, <laughs> right? Yeah, we were talking about the YZ250X. Next question on the. Um, Sean Elton. Enjoying TikTok Taco Tuesday. Well, what's wrong with him? <laughs> we have met a few times at tour tech rally north your show is high point of the weekend your control on the ktm adventure bikes is amazing my question for next talk see how he next, buttered me up next, buttered me up he's gonna try to get a good answer out of me uh next taco tuesday is how often do you replace fuel filters on your large ktm adventure bikes i owned a 2016 KTM 1190 Adventure and sold it because of the fuel filter maintenance. Perhaps my fuel filter issues were an isolated incident. I replaced it with an a Africa Twin Adventure Sport. Well, see see how that works. See, he was a KTM guy, and then yeah. and then we switched over to Honda for a while. We're Honda, so he, he went to Honda. Yeah. So should we mark the wall? I got both of those. Um, in all the time I've had the KTM Adventure bikes, I have not had to replace any fuel filters on any of them. This is going back to my 950s. And I'm thinking right now because right now my 950 needs a fuel pump. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. On my, on my 950, I did change it because they're outside of the tank. They're external. And I think I even added a, a different one. So take take that back on the 950 I did, but on my my 1190 standard, my 1190R, and on my 1090, I have not replaced fuel filters on any of those bikes, and they don't have a ton of miles on them, but you know, I got I got some time on them. So um, <laughs> maybe you need to change your gas station <laughs> if if you had to do that. I I don't I mean I've never. I don't know what the what the maintenance schedule is. I don't know if they tell you that you're supposed to do it at a certain time, but I would only do it if I was having problems. And I don't think of any I'm I'm wondering if there's some something that could have been done to the the emissions delete. Um a lot, a lot of people do they take the charcoal canisters off and then therefore it it was venting dirty air into the gas tank possibly. Um, could have been could have been an issue, but anyways, um, I haven't uh, had to change fuel filters. 
But if it if it seems like it was an issue, if I started noticing it was an issue, they make those um, the Google Tech fuel filters. I did a review on this on Dirt Bike Test. Maybe even George will put it up there. Um, and they make these ones that drop into your fuel filter neck, and it's like a it's like a screen, and it actually pulls water out of the gas too. Um, ethanol suck it right back into the gas and put it back right past the filter. But if you if you have pure gas in there, um, it won't allow it won't allow the water to uh, to pass through, and it it's very fine particulate matter. It's like better than a regular fuel filter. So that could be a solution if you're having some sort of a. Uh, um, uh, gassings, but I've I've not had those problems, and I would tell you if I did, um, because I hate I hate working on bikes, so I don't even have the same fuel filter problems that all the guys are having on the on the small bikes with the fuel filter splitting and all the other stuff. I I have not had a fuel filter failure, but maybe I'm just careful. But I don't feel like I'm careful about. I mean, you see the crap gas we get when we put it in the school bikes and stuff. And yeah, we, we've had issues before with bad gas, but. I haven't had to replace a filter because of it. Maybe the on the on the carbureted bikes, we've replaced a couple of the filters, but those things are going on twenty years old now. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, John Jackson, what is your opinion on Bluetooth communication, like Cina or Cardi- Cardo? Uh, do you use these in your riding schools or during product testing content? I have I don't have a whole lot on the on the tech side of things. Um, I don't have a whole lot of uh, experience, especially when you start connecting things through Bluetooth and like whether it's, you know, different radio frequencies and all this other stuff about the most experience I have is with the Trail Tech Voyager Pro, you know, playing around with with those. So I've used the couple different of the Cardo and um, what was the other one? Senna were the two systems that I'd used played around with briefly. But I'm constantly riding different kinds of bikes with different kinds of helmets and switching them between helmets and all this stuff. I don't have a ton of experience, John, so I can't um, I, I can't really uh, give you the, the things. But no, we haven't. You know, we're actually talking about starting to use them for our tours. Um, but we're probably going to go with kind of the radios that we used when we raced in Baja because that's what Johnny and I have experience with. And we're familiar with when they work, the distances they work, because the reason I'm a little resistant to using radios is sometimes you people start trusting them. So if you started calling out dangers on a ride and all of a sudden it didn't work and they expect you to call it a danger and they crash into something, it's like sometimes you give somebody a piece of technology and they turn their brain off. Um, we've seen it with GPS units. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't yeah, the, the line, the dotted line goes here and it goes someplace where they're not capable of riding and they go ride there because the dotted line went there. So that means I can go there. So yeah, not a, not the expert on the tech, but I mean, I guarantee you can find all the information you need on YouTube and then you're going to get what you pay for. Like this podcast, <laughs> like this podcast. Um, Sierra 450 X Victor Borg, my Sierra CR250 would smoke that thing above 2K feet. 6,000 feet. 6K, yeah. Why Why would it smoke it above 6,000 feet? So I can beat you from 0 to 5,999 feet and above 6,000 you can beat me? This is a YouTube comment, I can tell. <laughs> I think I put a lot of thought into this. I wonder, okay, so let's meet at 6,000 feet, me and you. And I'll 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 get my hands on, on a bike, a Sierra 450X, and we'll do a little uh, 
do a little smoking, see who's see whose bike's got it. Because I want to. I got a fuel injected one. You're gonna have to jet. <laughs> you and Bob can you know pull out your jets. Bob bring his Yamaha, then we'll find out who's the fastest. Uh, David Hicks, this is the best proper review I've seen for a long time. If you are considering one of these bikes, it's well worth a watch. It was has made me question the long-term build, durability as it is not an Australian-built KTM, Aust- Austrian-built KTM, but it's obviously built to a price. So he's talking about the KTM 390, and yeah, thanks for... Uh Thanks for the comments on the videos. We get a lot of you know nice comments when people finally you know find us. We're not the first ones that recommended, but um, so of course it's built to a price point. It's a it's kind of a world bike and it's built in India. And I would be really interested to see the point of origin of all of the parts on any brand these days, because. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of outsourcing of manufacturing of parts. So even though a bike may be built, you know, assembled in Austria or Japan, I wouldn't be that surprised to find that a lot of the parts are not being built in countries like India or China or Taiwan or in some of the manufacturing at those places is getting very good. Um, There's definitely some stuff you look at when you see the 390. And that makes sense for the price points it's at. But I don't think durability is kind of one of the I I think that they build. I think what you're going to get less of when you're seeing a bike like this is you're going to well, you're going to get a little bit less performance because the stuff is heavier. It's 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 built out of thicker, <laughs> um, not as fancy materials that require less precision and stuff but these guys have been building engines in these in these factories that are not your you know like i said they're not building the race motors for sure but they've been building engines that last a long time and run on crappy gas in third world countries that people don't have tools to fix stuff so um i wouldn't be that concerned with it on that level bob is raising his hand It's an ISO standard. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like if it was built in Austria, it's built to the same ISO standard. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, a lot of places are like that. You know, so yeah, it's built to an ISO standard. I think anything that you're getting these days is going to be built to, you know, an ISO standard, but it's. It's just more reliable now when they use an ISO standard than they were in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we remember what we were getting 20 years ago and, and, and some of that stuff was absolute, absolute junk. You know, it's amazing what they can make it look like. And then when you, you know, when it, when it ran, but it was amazing that it ran, you know, when you pulled it apart and you said, no, this worked, but you know, now that's the, the technology is pretty, pretty good, but I don't think you have to worry about, I mean, if you're looking at a KTM 390, I don't think you're expecting a level of performance or you should be riding it that hard to way to where the way that they've built it is going to whether it was built in austria or whether it's built in india i i honestly don't think that that's that's going to be an issue it's not gonna it's not going to come into play if all of a sudden we are getting ktm 450 sx's built out of india 
I suspect there would be a small learning curve. <laughs> they would they would learn, you know, that that's why you don't see, you know, the suspension components, for instance, that are high tolerance and have to be high strength and have to be, you know, they can't have flaws are not coming from those locations because that stuff is pushed to 10 tenths where I don't think a KTM 390 is really meant to be pushed to 10 tenths. So, um, Okay. Um, Paul Van Hout, great show. Questionable, questionable beer choices. Uh, yeah, he was talking about our fireside chat there. Where uh, Marco, my my buddy Marco, uh, busted out the Coors and the the Miller Lights, as you know, we were just trying to show off, right? <laughs> you know how hard you know how hey hey you know how hard it is to find uh uh good beer in a small resort town after five o'clock. Um, you have to go to like the expensive bars and we were in a locked into a, a house. So, um, but he did good. It was, it did its job. I mean, that show was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one, uh, Carlin Hicks gas gas site says wide ratio training. For on the three fifty X EX. Yes, um, you can write anything you want in the spec sheet, and then everybody will believe it. But my my uh, um, experience tells me that that it's that at best it's a semi wide ratio transmission, and it's just like every other KTM three fifty where first gear is just barely low enough and sixth gear is not tall enough. It needs more of a spread. And I'm, I'm surprised that, that they don't uh, change that on any of the, any of the bikes, but for racing, I mean, I think they kind of expect that bike to be, you know, for where it's used, it's fine. Uh, you know, if you start going extreme enduro, you can change the gears down, but then you're going to hate it when you hop out on a road. Cause when you hop out on a road, it's, um, not going fast enough. <laughs> so, and then, and then if you start gearing it to do desert racing, if you get into a really tight technical section, first gear is not going to be low enough. And so, yeah, that they're, I'm um, for sure they call it a wide ratio because it's got a six speed gearbox in it, but it doesn't feel like that when you ride it. And it's the same as the KTM and it's the same as the Husky. Uh, Trav Nasty 520. I knew I was going to subscribe to your channel when you recommended a beer for the job. I'm about to go try to put my first moose in a rear tire. Wish me luck. The ride now by my house said they would do it for one hour of labor, which is 140 bucks. So hopefully... So hopefully I can save myself some money and do it myself. He didn't get back to me. I wanted to. I wanted to see how he how he did with that. Um, so it was uh, who was it? Darren. Dave? Trav nasty. Travis. Yeah, tra- Trav nasty. Let me know how you did on that uh, on that tire. Um, mooses aren't any fun, <laughs> especially your first one. Um, so, uh, but um, one hundred forty bucks. You should learn how to change mooses, Logan. That might that might pay pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I made you try it. You took one off, right? Um almost. I took 
two full ones off. Two full ones off. Wasn't pretty. Like five with help. So how long did it take you? Four hours. To do five? Yes. With help? Yeah. So in other words, I did most of them. Yep. But I have a technique. Yes. Years of experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to give away in that video. So I, I, I tell you exactly what to do. But the funny thing is, is like you, there's so much like, just like when riding, there's so much balance and, and things that maybe I'm not totally exactly, exactly explaining. I'm kind of giving yeah. you the bullet points and then, but it's like knowing exactly where to stick the, the tire iron in and, and, and you, you start pushing on it, you know, right away, okay, that's not exactly where it is. So you give it a little shove and then you, and then you push it and, and stuff like that. So as much as, you know, it just, that comes with practice and depends on, you know, the angles of your, your arm and the way I, you know, the way I'm sitting on the tire when I'm doing it and using how I'm using my knees and all kinds of, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I, you know, you know what, you know what I got for Christmas this year? Uh, the one minute moose changer. The Rabaconda. Yeah. Yeah. You know who got me that? Uh, Andrew Short. Yep. Because yeah. Andrew hates watching me suffer. Yeah, he felt sorry. For he me. felt sorry for me because I was just doing it on the ground and the knees and like they're they're they the when the Honda guys were here, Kendall had the Rabaconda and Kendall's all busting him out and I'm like and he's like do it on this. I'm like no, I'm doing it right here on the ground on my knees. So dumbass <laughs> me. <laughs> That thing's amazing, <laughs> and I'm still learning how to use it. I look like a klutz when I use it, but it's totally different. I mean, it has it, and, and I watched their video, and I go, okay, I, I looked at it, and, and then I'm like, I know how to do this, and I need to watch it again, and I need to do it again, and watch it again, and then see the the little things that they're doing. I mean, because they make it look simple, and you watch the the pro guys, you know, when they come in, yeah, and they're having the tools handed to them. Well, let me tell you. When I'm on the ground, all the tools are really close to me. But when I'm that up off the ground, that's one of the reasons I do it on the ground. Because all the tools are like, you know, right there. But when I'm up in the air, I have to bend over and pick it up. And so, yeah, it's, there's reasons for everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. T- t- let me know how that how that goes. Um, and, yeah, a, a one beer uh, review on the, <laughs> the tire change. I got a question here on the thing. Um Mark Daniels uh, mentions that golfers are OEM on KTM's, correct? Yeah, they and and they have some different pad compounds too. If you go to um, Galfer, uh, look at their website. They have they they'll tell you which is OEM and which is different. Um, Kyle McCoy says, should you replace the ECU if racing on a 2021 KTM 500 XCFW? I recall you made fun of me in the backcountry of Wyoming one day when you noticed I had my get ECU and my old bike, but everyone seems to say this is a required update for a race bike. Um, uh, I, I think <laughs> in the, in the Wyoming backcountry, what the heck happened to his bike? He tipped over and something and a gas tank broke, or I don't remember what it was. There was something that made the bike so it wouldn't work, which I noticed when they were trying to fix it. And I came up and said, oh, this this is a problem. I think the broke the gas tank. I think something punched a hole in the gas tank. But the reason I was asking about the ECU is because 
there's this kind of feverish passion that anybody who buys an emissions compliant bike, they, they feel like they have to, in order to make it run properly, put an ECU on it. And I've had Taco Mike in here who's talked about it. I've talked about, you know, Chris Blaze sells a lot of the different things too. Um, I, I have tried, and I'm only telling you what I'm based on personal experience. I wish all of my bikes had stock ECUs in them right now. <laughs> and and I, I don't have, I have a, I have a 20 that I'm going to start riding a lot more. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you more about that when I have the time to test it and stuff. But I'm more concerned with rideability than I am outright power because there's very few times when I'm actually using all of the outright power that even my stock ECU will allow this bike to produce. So almost every one of the aftermarket ECUs that I've ever tried is not as rideable as the stock one. It, it, they, they have, it's like somebody, it's like somebody, it's like Bob jetted your bike. And I just use Bob as a name because there's a couple of Bobs around here, so they don't know who I'm talking about. But Bob's not the best at jetting, but Bob jets your bike and says, here it is. It's good. And and you're riding. Oh, it, it, it has a it stutters here. Or it's not there. I have to slip the clutch a lot off the bottom because it bogs. And that's what these remapped ECUs seem like every single one of them. I've never found, I've never bolted one on and had it work perfectly, even though I had the same pipe that they told me to use and I had the same header that they told me to use. And, and they didn't tell me if I was supposed to, you know, put a different air filter or, you know, they all say take the reeds out. But, you know, it says all these different combinations of stuff. And I find that it, it's never as good as, as far as rideability, sure, they make more power. They make a lot more power, some of them. I'm never riding it where it's making a lot more power. I'm riding it where I ride it all the time and they're just not running that well. So I think what I said, uh, Kyle was, <laughs> how, how was that working for you <laughs> when you, you know, tipped over or whatever, you know, I think I made that kind of a joke because I was just, it was just in my, uh, in my thing. But what, what I would do and the, the problem is I haven't, I don't have enough experience with the 20 and the 21 KTMs now because I've only just ridden them stock to know how putting a piggyback fueling controller would work on it because that's what I would do first. As long as your ECU isn't trying to compensate or correct for the changes that you made. At that point, if you're actually building a race motor and you're, you have the ability to tune the ECU that you're going to put on it, then yes, because unless you buy an ECU for exactly the pipe you put on it, exactly whatever you did with the reed valve and the air filter and and the gearing you're going to run and all this other stuff, unless you can tune that ECU to make it work, you're buying something that's made that's supposed to be for some setting that you probably don't have, and it's not going to work perfect. And it bothers me every time I roll on the throttle and the bike hesitates or I can just feel it being too lean or too rich or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even though I ride the stock ones sometimes I go, yeah, they're too lean, but at least it's pretty drivable compared to, um, the, the other ones. And I, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll take crap about this all day long. Cause people are saying, how can you even ride them like that? And I'm like, I, all of my bikes that came with reeds in the intake on my KTMs still have the reeds in the intakes because they produce better torque where I ride the bikes most of the time. 
And then if, if I have to rev it and get more power, I can do that. And generally, I'm not at peak power at full throttle. It's very rare that I'm there and asking for more. And if I do, then I take the Husaberg and it negates anything else that we can talk about here. Yeah, period. Yeah. Yeah. Just there's no reason to try to make a KTM 500 run like a Husaberg 570 because it just won't do it. Uh, did I answer that question properly? Is that yeah, acceptable? Yeah. yeah. Got it in there? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Oh, way too much butter, dude. What's that about? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. I can fill you in. Jimmy says buy a KTM and add blue plastic. <laughs> let's see. Uh, Chris Real says I could give a lecture on brake pads and proper uses. One thing that gets overlooked is a worn pad hanger pins. Oh. That's yeah. Yeah, that's that takes a few years to do, but then again, yeah, I've seen that. That's uh that's a good thing. And and just the lubing of the of the caliper on the on the uh, pins, on the brake pins. I've seen that, you know, when you notice that one side of your brake pads is wearing out more than the other, there's a really severe problem that you need to address. Um I think all after all that advice, what do you think Bob's going to do? No. Buy a yeah. Yamaha. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I wonder why the 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 no I, he's fine I don't care. I, it was it, it wasn't for Bob that speech was not for Bob it was for everybody else and then so next week on the show Logan we're gonna have all these things to say yeah I was thinking about buying a Yamaha and I went and bought a KTM you know and if everybody's talking about Honda you know Honda's you know that's all it's all good actually I should call I should call Logan. Um, also, cleaning the piston after replacing the pads. I had all kinds of fun. Finally found out that the pistons had developed a ring of schmutz when they were extended. And when I replaced the pads and pushed the pistons back in, it was a problem. Schmutz, huh? Now, Chris, real, do you have the chemical definition of schmutz? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's that's what he, he found on there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I haven't had, I've never really had the, I mean, we're out here in the desert and it's kind of dry. Imagine in the mud and stuff like that, that could be a little bit more of a, a little bit more problematic. Um, do we have more questions on the page, Logan? Um, or on the, on the, on the, those things? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dave Desmond, Yamaha should be selling this new bike for about 5k and considering it's a 15 year old technology yeah that's that's the that's the one i well see bob you should get that yamaha for 5k because that's all it's worth old technology yeah then you can spend another five trying to make it like one of those um ktm tpi bikes <laughs> why don't you get a gas gas bob is kind of a gas gas kind of guy <laughs> gas gas oh i meant to tell the i was i meant to tell the the guy i was talking to at ktm about the Power valve adjustment. I, I should talk. So now we're talking about two strokes. Um, so, so if in, and this, this kind of hits home because George is on here and George was kind of curious about his, his uh, KTM 300 and he has the earlier one, which only has the single um, ambient air pressure sensor. And then I've had another one out here that was had the two uh, air pressure sensors on them. And 
after some of these guys rode them for a long time, uh, and they started them up and they were, they were running kind of funny. They were running like they were, they were loaded up. They were, they were kind of rich. And yours is, yours is TPI. Have you had this happen or anything like that yet? I'm going to listen to what you're saying, but I think I have. So, so imagine you're just like lugging your two stroke around and let's just say you're riding a Yamaha YZ250X, maybe even a new one, which is the same as the 2005 Yamaha YZ250, <laughs> mostly. And you're just lugging it around. You're riding around for a while, and then you go and park it. And maybe you start it up and, you know, wash it and lug it around, park it. And and then all of a sudden, you get to some place where you start it up, and then you go to get on it, and it boop, 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 and loads up. And then back in the old days, you used to foul plugs when this was happening. Yeah. Well, just because it's fuel-injected doesn't mean that that that, that – because the way that the motor works is putting all that gas and oil mixture inside the crankcase and some of that oil when it's not quote cleaned out and some of that fuel is pooling up in the bottom end. And since it really, you don't develop a ton of turbulence as it kind of, there's more and more of it, it'll kind of pool up and it'll find itself. It'll find little homes in there. And, uh, and so it takes a lot of turbulence to suck all that stuff out of there and clean, you know, so it's called cleaning out your motor. You know, you, you know, you, you put, put a good load on it and roll it on and rev it up and let it rev out and, clean it out you know you hear guys that's what that's i don't know why they do it at the starting line in four strokes these days you know but you know you know when you start your bike up you hear you warms up and then there's rat you know you clean out the bike you know the, the all the smoke comes out and then all of a sudden it kind of cleans up and it's not so smoky anymore just because of all this new technology doesn't mean that that, that doesn't need to be done it's still two-stroke right so enter into like the that was the first thing i noticed about like when beta went to the oil injection was that clean out like in just regular riding like and if you're on a um, you're mixing your gas especially if you're mixing it a little bit rich with the with the oil you ride around you get on it 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 stutters a little bit before it goes it just doesn't explode when i started riding oil injected bikes all of a sudden it was like you could lug it around for a while and you hop out in a road and you just nail it and it just from the first crack of the throttle it's crisp and clean and goes so so I was asking, hey, well, with these KTMs, and they're like, no, that doesn't, just because it's fuel injection doesn't mean that still can't happen. So that's one thing, is that they can actually load up. There's also some sensors. It has the ambient air pressure sensor. And I've heard of the, the not only the hose, you know, getting a little um, plugged up, but mostly the, where it screws into the cylinder, where it's taking the, the pressure, where the, the hose clips into the cylinder like that thing, if you're ever, they say if you're cleaning your, you know, if you're taking your cylinder, you're doing regular maintenance off, clean that that little brass um, uh, junction out, you know, the, where, the, where the hose cleans up to it. So make sure that's clean as well as the hoses. And then the sensors, which are actually on the, the bikes with two of them on them, they're the same part number, they're the same sensor, but those things can go bad. So if it's like a constant problem, it could be the sensor, but that's not the most common thing. They said the two most common things are, that's what everybody wanted to know, <laughs> incorrect idle adjustment. So if, if your idle is not adjusted properly and after bikes break in and things change and stuff like that, or maybe you've adjusted or something like that, and I think it's like 1,400, it tells you in the manual, tells you what the proper idle speed is, and you can use a, a cheap tack. I know there's apps on your phone you can use to do it, or you can have one of the ones that wraps around the spark plug wire. If the if the idle adjustment isn't correct, that air bleed screw also affects quote the jetting. 
you know, the way that the thing does. So that can cause them to run funky and have a hard time figuring everything out once they're started up and stuff like this. So, so that's it. And the other thing, and like I mentioned before, is the power valve adjustment. The reason they don't give you different power valve springs or recommend you touch the power valves is because if you do that, you probably need to jet the bike. And it's not to say that like maybe a, a quarter turn either direction from stock. They set those things stock at the factory. I'm pretty sure on a dyno because they know where it's supposed to be. I'm pretty sure, like I said, quarter turn either direction wouldn't be that hard. But if you start going a, a turn in or a you know half turn or turn and a half, you're doing something that's going to affect the jetting that that bike can't compensate for because it's not measuring the exhaust gases. And, and it's it's just doing it all on kind of the front side without the ability to correct on the on the back side. So um, kind of keep that in mind if you're trying to tune one of these bikes. So I'm going to go check the idle on uh, George's bike and I'll bet you it's a little bit off because it's been the bike has been it's once I you know when, when I let George ride it his own bike I let him go ride his own bike. Um, he comes back. He's probably just been like, you know. Kind of like Bob, but not like Bob. You know, not not that Bob, but this Bob. One of those Bobs. Like, Bob, like, you know where your power band starts? Yeah. Bob rides below that the entire time. You know when your bike, like, gets up and goes? Yeah. His has never, ever done that. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, a, it's a farm for carbon deposits, I'm sure. <laughs> Inefficient combustion, you know. He wants the highest performance, but then he wants it at low RPMs. Um, so I think George rides a little bit like that, where he's not really getting on it. Although he always comes back and tells me how he's getting on it and ringing it out and all those all those things. So because I get on it and I go ring it out, and then it's fine. It seems fine to me. So we're just trying to sit there and figure out where where that is. So uh, yeah, that was my that's that's what I learned. Um, so. Clean it out every once in a while, you know, warm it up and then, you know, take it down, like, you know, run it through the gears, hold it wide open for a second. And, and that is going to solve any of the loading up problems. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Sound good? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what was that? The idle adjustment's backwards. What I would call backwards. Because it's an air, air bleed. Yeah, so it's letting it's allowing air in, and then yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, yeah. I'd I'd have to I'd have to remember remember exactly the way it works. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Eaton, Elton, uh, thirty six and a half minutes in, get a get a some interns to delegate the work. Oh wow, this brings up an interesting subject, especially for tonight. He's talking about a show where I'm probably complaining about like why it's such a mess in here and we can't get anything done and the, the episodes don't get posted up and all that other stuff. Interns. Do you know what interns are? You girls know what interns are? Bree and Brad. Is your names? <laughs> Brock and Brian. Brock and Brian? Yeah. <laughs> you know what interns are? Yeah, it's so, Fancy word for unpaid. It's funny because this is how I responded to him. I said, I said, I'm looking for, um, I said, I, I said, I'm looking for young adults that don't think asking for money is a job. 
<laughs> so, because intern, so in internship, when I was growing up, I was actually, I'm, I'm working on writing this book and, uh, I'm actually at this page where I was, uh, I was an intern at Dirt Bike Magazine because I knew that I wanted to, in the future, um, work at a magazine because I wanted to be the guy that got all the free dirt bikes and got on the cover of the magazine and got treated like royalty and people kicked, kissed his butt and and you didn't even have to be fast. And it was like a dream world. I wanted to be in there. And I knew like, okay, in order to get there, you don't just walk up and say, I want to do this. You have to work to get there. So I worked as an intern, which evidently when I was at Dirt Bike Magazine as an intern and the big, big main boss, a guy named Roland Heinz came in and he said, uh, Tim, Joe, uh, who is this person in our editorial meeting pointing at me? And the response from the two co-editors at the time was, uh, chief, that's the guy that works for free. <laughs> intern means work for free. And the reason that they let you work for free is because they are teaching you something. And generally, other than up till high school, after that, you kind of have to pay for your education, whether you're paying it through it by being called a, what do you call them on the job site? Apprentice? No. Grunt? Yeah, we got worse names. Shit boy. Yeah. Yeah. You start there. Yeah. Yeah. And you do that. You lay baseboard. In my trade, you start doing that for about three years. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you, you even even when you're even when by the time you're done with it, you're so good at it that you're ready for the next the next thing. So you you learn in these in these steps. Somebody needs to cut this segment. See, this is where this is this is really good. So if you were to be interning here, right? <laughs> if and you're over there working on the thing, and then and then so you'd pull out these little we we'll call them nuggets of the show to where it'd be Jimmy explains what an intern is. And then you, you put this and then it's it's like it's like put it up on social media. And then people can just like, you know, rip me a new one for saying that like an, an intern should be someone that goes on. What's a what's one of the services where you get stuff for free like that? They um, not, not like Patreon. <laughs> so what's the GoFundMe? Like right now, I think you're supposed to go fund me and get money. And then I don't even know how it works after that. I'm not sure of the news. So anyways. Um, are you ready to leave? You don't want this job anymore? <laughs> who, who, who had, which one had to leave at the class? Oh, pointing fingers at each other. Okay. Got it. <laughs> right. Um, cause that was it. That was beginning of internship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's technically, did you, See, you learned something. Yeah. <laughs> but did, did in any of that stuff at the school, because you guys both race, correct? Yeah. In, in all of your racing, did, did my little off-road school teach you anything? Yeah, definitely like uh, balance and balance. St- stopping. Stopping. Logan has us do some drills sometimes when we go riding. You got a little side action going on, right, Logan? <laughs> You got a little riding school going on off the side? Yeah. We have an email. Remember, I, I sent you an email the other day. We got to talk to that guy. Me, yeah. Tate, yeah. Emily. Yeah. So. Uh, this riding school is all girls, by the way. All girls. <laughs> four, four or five How do you girls. do that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of them is his sister. Two are kind of cousins, and yeah. the others are girlfriends. Well, it's not bad. So the odds are good, Logan. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, okay, we'll work on the internship thing later. So, um, uh, 
but yeah, thanks for uh, asking that, uh, Sean. I'm going to work on my internmanship uh, stuff because uh, I'm I'm overloaded. I can have a hard time myself. Uh, my wife and I use a Senna 50 and get out of range quickly. Added the Senna SR10 and rugged radios for the distance. So see, you ask a question and you're going to get answers in the uh, in the chat room. If everybody wonders what's going on, so while we're doing this live on Facebook on on Tuesday nights, there's a chat room that's going on where they where a lot of our um, regulars and people that kind of jump in ask the questions. That a lot of times we'll answer, or they actually. Um, um, give out advice like San Felipe Bob always does. And I see it says something about endos, five speed carb. I don't know. <laughs> not really sure what's going on there. Uh, let's see. Endos. Oh, wait. Oh, those are, that means bad. That's like the bad things. Five speed carb. Actually, Yamaha's five speed is not bad. They, they do the best five speed transmission that could be done, especially on the, FX's, uh, no light blue, um, wheelies, budget suspension, strong motor, reliable. Yeah. Yep. Those, that's YZ250X. Uh, Jordan Spiegel has the used bike market seen a big boost. The pandemic has had a big impact on used bike prices in Canada. Just sold a YZ450X today for what I paid for it in 2016. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, the, the whole market as a whole new and used stuff is, Prices are staying high and going up. So, um, one more question, Logan, on this on this thing here. Uh, Ryan down salutes. After getting lost for a little while on my bi- on my ride from Barstow to Perim last weekend, I found myself wondering the area somewhere, wandering the area somewhere near Baker, thinking, "Wow, I really wish I had a GPS that did more than leave." A breadcrumb trail. Oh, just follow the breadcrumbs, bro. <laughs> I have an older trail tech Voyager, but what would be the next step up? Something that shows marked trails, towns, paved roads, or destinations would be nice. Yeah, so your old Voyager does none of that. You Whatever you put in there is all that it has, um, and there's no qu- what's called base maps. The new Voyager Pro has the new ability now. I mean, they had a pretty good base map in there to begin with, but they have the ability to download and and add maps for specific areas and stuff. But this is where like the units, like the Garmin's and some of the other ones have been really good because they, they have maps built into them. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I tend to look at paper maps and somehow memorize those. And I remember everything. Unlike your names. (laughs) Um, I remember everything on the map. And so I don't necessarily need the GPS to, to get me there. I kind of remember where the main roads are and, and things like that. So I, I don't use the GPS like that so much. And so I'm probably not the best person to ask. Although, um, now there's so many apps on your phone that can do this. I mean, you just ping up on Google earth, you know, if you have, if you have reception and in, if you're near Barstow, you, you have reception, or Baker, same thing. You have reception most of the places around there, and it will show you where you're at, and you can zoom in and zoom out and try to try to figure this out. So, um, yeah, I think um, the the good thing about so so the reason that I really like the Voyager Pro is especially if you're riding in a group, they have the buddy tracking, which is a super awesome feature, and you can see where your buddies are at. 
and then now you have the ability to download maps and put those in there if you're starting to do this. But typically, even if 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 I'm going to go someplace new, I will go in there and drop track logs of places I expect to go in there, and then I use those kind of as a as a baseline or a, a guideline. But did he say he got lost? Yeah. Wandering the area, you know, law. It's that he didn't. He didn't use the word lost, right? No, he did. Yeah, getting a little lost. I don't know what that is like. I've never the the like. You know how you think I'm dumb for not remembering names? Like when people like say I got lost. Like how'd you do that? Like I never. I don't even know what the sensation like feels like. I just don't. It doesn't occur to me. So I'm bad to ask. I'm. I'm like a. That's why I have a Jimmy positioning system. It's the JPS. You got some good ones on the on the chat room there, Logan. I see uh, you giggling. San Felipe Bob, J- JPS, Jimmy Lewis version. Great, see, great works great. Finds beer too. Usually PBR. <laughs> yes, um, Roscoe. I like Roscoe as a name. Any word on your Kreft forks? Um, my Kreft forks are still attached to my bike my craft shock is was shipped back up to bend oregon and is being um re reset up so i um i found that it bottomed a little bit too much for me and so i gave them that report back and they're tuning on it right now but like everything else everybody is backlogged like all of the suspension shops and stuff and People that make, whether you're making seat covers or exhaust systems, you're back ordered. So um, I'm excited to get it back. I, w- I want to get it back because I really want to find out how the forks work too, but I couldn't get past the shock. And I don't think I, I gave them the right weight. So I don't think it was me. Right? Um, George says intern, a student or trainee who works sometimes without pay at a trade or occupation in order to gain work. But in another thing, he says, definition of interned, the act of putting someone in a prison for political reasons or during a war, the act of interning someone, the state of being interned. Hmm. That first definition, I was wondering, like, what century he got that from, because it's not this century. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Troy Hicks, um... $50 $50 per month moose changes here. Is that, is he talking about us or is he talking about him? I'm not sure. Um, uh, Jimmy, worth its price. What's, uh, what's that? <laughs> uh, the Rabaconda or, or Jimmy? Jimmy and the Rabaconda. Uh, monkey effing a football and a robot at the same time? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. Any other ones? Um, Troy Hicks says Kreft makes stuff really, really soft because most KTM guys are 53 and pudgy. I'm 52. I'm pudgy. I'm a pudgy? <laughs> yeah. Am I 52? I think I'm 52. Um, let's see. Uh Somebody says, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> that joke had to come out. If you don't have a dyno for each 
individual bike, they're never perfect, referring back to the ECUs. No, I actually think the problem is the dyno because they are all tuned on dynos. Like I've said many times before on this show, we don't ride dynos because dynos have really, really good traction and they put really consistent loads on motors. And I know some of the best guys that do the best tuning on dynos that have handed me an ECU and said, hey, try this. And I came back to them and said, yeah, it wasn't so good. And they're just like, really? And oftentimes when I started working with these guys, they had a really extensive background in road based road racing, stuff like that. And three quarters of them told me I was full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. And I said, mm, no, nah, I do. But, you know, maybe we just have a different opinions. The other ones that I really enjoyed working with said, huh, that's strange. We don't see any of this on the dyno. Like everything you're saying doesn't correlate with with what is. But they don't do, you know, generally they do these big broad roll-ons and stuff like that. Now the guys that are running dynos are getting smarter. They're doing, they're they're bringing it on and off and they're doing like mid throttle um, rolls and just different, lots of different stuff. But the problem is that is the traction. Cause a lot of times, you know, you, the, the, the dyno wheel actually, when you let off of it, it starts pushing the wheel back. Like that doesn't happen in the dirt. You don't have this. It's not, it's, it's essentially like, you know, the, the, the earth is passing you up, um, which doesn't, doesn't happen. So it's difficult to get those kind of, we call it trailing throttle sensations that we use a lot in the dirt bikes and the way that the bike comes back on. And, you know, and a lot of times you're making these, these modulations and the, you can record all this stuff. There's data recorders that'll record all the stuff you do. When you send this back to the guy in the dyno, he's like, Oh, how do I, they can see the air fuel ratio and all this stuff. And, and it's like, where do I even start? And there's, there's ones that actually do auto correct and, and, uh, auto calibrate and, um, stuff like that. Um, Kyle, back to that ECU thing again. Um, I would, whatever you do, whatever you do, if you're going to race with it, cause I know you're going to race with your bike, test it a lot before you, you do it. Um, and, and I would try, uh, I mean the pig, I've had very good luck with the piggyback fuel tuners as long as the, the ECU doesn't try to correct the changes you're, you've made. Cause I've ridden some bikes that that's happened on. You make a change and the ECU realizes it and it tries to bring it back. And all of a sudden you start running out of you, you, it faults things and stuff ha happens. Um, so, and then Kyle asks, okay, so the next upgrade after ECU recommended, uh, recommended by most is suspension. Do you prefer stock or think race bikes need suspension tuning? Um, if your bike was designed as a race bike, it's probably tuned pretty good for the average person racing. If your bike is designed as a dual sport bike, it's probably not going to be set up for racing, especially when you start adding things like larger fuel tanks and tuning done. But it's a lot better for you to be able to tell them what you need, what you're looking for, because you wrote it and said, OK, yeah, this is too soft and it bottomed out too much or this or that. And then you can give the suspension guy a direction um, to go. So. um. But yes, I mean, and, and almost anybody can make the suspension better for them than stock. 
and I would start with using the clickers that come on the bike because you paid a lot of money for those clickers. And I see a lot of people never, ever use them because after you're done using them, at least then you have a direction to tell somebody to go, you know, and you know, you know, you've run out of where the clickers are. And a lot of times when the suspension guy sees your shot come in with clickers set a certain way, he goes, oh, huh, I wasn't going to change it like that. But if this is the best direction this guy's gone into, it gives him a better idea. So, um, uh, San Felipe Bob, his Yamaha's air sensor, ambient air pressure sensor will never go bad. Yeah. Can't argue that. <laughs> well, try putting some, try putting some, uh, let the gas sit in it for a few months inside of that carburetor and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interns equal slave labor. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, Let's see. Another one? Got something else good? George says, are the upcoming classes full? Uh, Not yet. But nobody knows we announced them yet. Not really. I mean, we put them in the newsletter, but we keep those. uh, Like next week, I think next, uh, or this this Friday, I might put them up on the social medias and stuff like that. But by likely, by then, they'll be pretty close to full. I know we're going to run out of rental bikes, which means you guys are going to be really busy. Mm -hmm. Especially with our track record from last class. (laughs) um let's see uh oh boy these guys are beating each other up about bob's yz250 bob just get the yz and have it you you will don't you i think he has an old yamaha wr250 two stroke in the garage i'm almost positive that's what he used to race he was those were good bikes that really the bike really hasn't changed much since then but (laughs) you'll be familiar with it (laughs) Um, yeah, so, uh, the, the classes, yeah, the Jimmy Lewis off-road riding school, um, you should sign up for the newsletter. Actually, we put discount codes. Actually, if you're looking for a tugger, the tugger straps, we had like a 25% off discount code in the, in the newsletter that I'm not going to give out because that's why you need to sign up for the newsletter. Um, but yeah, we have some of, sometimes our uh, partners and sponsors and stuff really, uh, help us out. They hook up the students. So. It's pretty good. Um, Dino is not real life in most cases. I totally agree. Um, so good. I think we're I think we think we've gone through most of our uh, questions. What if there's anything else? I thought there was another question here. I don't remember answering. Um, no, we probably went through all of them. Okay. You think you got enough breath for one of those things again? Uh, yeah. You want to do the KTM one? Okay. By heart. Uh, Here, you want to make your introduction on the show? Sure. Okay, come on up. You got to put your radio announcer voice on. Oh, you should get to do one then. Yeah. Here, Logan will Logan will leave the show. Yep. We'll kick Logan off. Yeah, this might be your last appearance. Didn't you resign on our last show? Didn't you quit? You gave me two weeks notice, which ends next week, right? Yeah. You were just joking? I was going to call Trevor. I, I don't know what happened to Trevor. I need. I wanted to get a race report and stuff. Let's check and see. Come on up here, and you you each get to read one. Of, there's these two these two reads. You understand what the reads are? They're like our ads and stuff. Okay. Don't tell my dad. Don't tell your dad. Some people never Is that Tate? No. This is this is this is Trevor. If if he picks up, he's probably smart enough not to. 
You there, Trevor? Is it my, is it my time to shine? Yeah, it's your time to shine. Um, well, first we're gonna have our, we're gonna do our last two ad reads, and then we're gonna have Trevor Trevor's segment on how racing went. So um, the, both these girls' names here they start with B, right? And yeah. I got that much right. So yeah. who? Well, there's the Honda one on top. Who want who? What do you guys race, by the way? Hondas. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 150 Rs. Oh, awesome! Four strokes. Mm-hmm. Good. So you so you can read the Honda one. Actually, why don't you read it in sync together? That'll be awesome. <laughs> Because it's too easy. You're smarter than Logan. He he could probably me and Logan could probably do them in sync. We almost do. <laughs> yeah, we're, she's only older than me. Like we're like basically twins. She's just like yeah. three years older. Three twins, three years yeah. older. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This one right. This one right here. That one right there. The one on top. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Honda's new 2021 CRF 450R is designed to take you straight from starting gate to victory circle. This awesome open-class motorcycle motorcycle features all new chassis, major engine overhaul, new suspension, and new and new bodywork. And you can forget about clutch fade adjustment or hand fade. Fatigue <laughs> with the <laughs> new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, the CRF450R explodes out of corners when it's time to increase your lead. So get on down to your local dealer and check out the 2020 C- C- 2021 C- Honda CRF450R. Go to mxhonda.com to see your full line of competition bikes. The CRF450R is intended for close course operation only. That was awesome. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was a first time read through. Logan, they could, I mean, uh, Trevor, Trevor, they couldn't even pay for that. What was that? They could, Honda couldn't even pay for that. No, that's Get a stereo synchronized read of the, of the, of the Honda read. Yeah. We're trying to make it interesting here because, you know, we don't just want to read off the boring stuff. I like it. I'll do the KTM one. I don't know if you can top that, but. Uh, No, I can't. Hey, so the other the other sponsor we have is KTM. Powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality, KTM is the world's leading high-performance street and motorcycle. I messed up. Off-road sport motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world, and the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. I did okay, huh? That's that's a question to you. You're kind of like the co-host right now, Trevor, and you guys too. You can chime in if you need to. When I start screwing stuff up, <laughs> I think that was perfect. Good. Uh, we're not going to talk about anything but Hondas and KTM. So, what do you have to talk about? Uh, I rode a Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody is telling me. So so this is Trevor Hunter. He's the uh, what do you what are you now at Dirt Bike Test? The boss. Uh, Financial planner. Financial planner, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The So so uh, Trevor does a lot of our test riding, especially the race bikes, because he is a racer. And everybody is telling me that you uh, posted pictures of a semi-destroyed KX250X. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but the bike got you to second place. It did. In a six-hour race. It did. It still runs great uh, to this day. Okay. So what they were talking about, was it chain and sprockets? Is that what we're... Um, or... Yeah, so I guess 
we uh, we found the weak spot with uh, Kawasaki. Let me guess, um, chain buffer pads. Um, that's part of it. Chain guides. The chain, the chain and the, the chain slider and guide. The yeah. whole chain, the whole drive system is the weak, the weak link on the Kawasaki. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a known issue. I mean, we've yeah. we've complained about it before, especially the especially the swing arm buffer pad and the lower, especially if you run like a bigger rear sprocket. If you go up any on the rear sprocket, that'll just it'll just saw through the 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 chain pads. Yeah, known issue. And so so you decided to race six hours on it um, just to prove that. Um, <laughs> no, well, it's kind of a last minute deal, and I haven't gotten to race or ride the Kawasaki as much as I'd like to. So I figured it'd be a good test to get myself and another rider who's never ridden a Kawasaki, at least never ridden the new newer Kawasaki's, um, to do the six hour and see how the bike performed for both of us in a pretty good race uh, conditions. And so what did, what did you do? You ended up just putting a, a tank on it? We did a, an IMS tank with a dry brake and then nitro mooses and some Dunlop tires and um oh you put out a 50 tooth super sprocks or sprocket on clip. yep um it comes with a 51 sock and it's just geared too low for west coast racing yeah the high speed stuff yeah because it, it's the same as the motocross bike then yeah yeah we've geared it to the motocross bike spec right and second place overall uh, who beat you? First loser. Who who, who won? Um, Colton Eck and Nick Stover. Oh, that's not not too not too bad. What were they? No. What, what were they riding? Uh, they rode a gas gas four fifty. Gas gas. Gas gas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, that. I don't even know if I'd want to ride that gas gas four fifty and that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is a, that thing was a monster. I remember riding at the intro. Um, so uh, what? So what else you been testing? You, you, so so you're gonna you're gonna tomorrow like at what eight o'clock in the morning that race report will be up. Um, I'm waiting on some photos from the race and then oh, should be posted. Amazing! The photos don't just grow on trees. No, they don't. Yeah, even, even if you try to pay for them, they still don't grow on trees. Really. Yeah, I've got a I've got a brand new uh, Beta 200 that I'm just itching to ride, but it's funny because I can't figure out how to get the photos shot. We, uh, you missed a good day today. We had a photo shoot today. Oh, fo- okay. And so, what were you photo shooting today? Uh, we had the Kawasaki the 450X and the Honda 450RX, which is all new. Oh. How did you so, how'd you how'd you get that? I don't know anything. I don't know anything anymore. I'm out of the loop. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I was out of the loop too. I just showed up and I was told to bring some gear and then a, a spare rider and the bikes were ready to go. I just jumped on, set sag, and we were shooting photos. Who handled that? Uh, Mr. Scott Hoffman handled that one. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. And the best part is I rode a muddy track and then I drove home with no bike in the back of the truck. So I'm not washing the bike either. Well, you you have put in your work almost like an intern. Yes. Almost almost like an intern. You you have done some of that work for for uh, no no money, correct? Correct. Yeah. So that that would I mean I guess you kids now call it slave labor, but yes. um, we're 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 being told that that's uh, you know I'm trying to educate people that in that's interning, 
that we're we're working on. That's what that's that was our just our stereo read from my potentially new interns. That stereo read, like you know, you got in the line to be able to be considered <laughs> to be interns because it's everybody thinks it's just like a, anybody can be an intern it's around like here. Top ten or we're put on the list of on the list, list of uh, potential candidates. Yeah, and then we'll see how how it works in the edit the editing <laughs> editing bay. Logan will handle that part of the uh, the thing, right? You got that figured out? Yeah. Yeah, kind of good. So, uh, how were the uh, how were the uh, 450s good? Um, they're pretty good. The Cowie, I've ridden the Cowie a little bit in the past. Um, and I really like the 450. Just super kind of smooth and easy to ride. Um, and then the Honda resembled the motocross bike a lot. The little um, wasn't set up the best today. I didn't get a whole lot of time to test it, and Scott's going to handle that more that's more for photos but the little i wrote it it um worked good it's not have they like the kawasaki they're both they're more moto based than like off-road based for sure uh, so they suit like kind of wet western faster style gp courses rather than tighter terrain yeah did um, did uh did they get the the little jetting glitch uh i didn't notice anything on the honda on the rx so I assume was it was I don't it know what the, was it the, stock or did it have been flashed? I have no idea. Have no idea. No idea. Scott Scott might know. Yeah. So you're, um, you're just I didn't, I didn't see any hookup, hookups or anything like that. So it worked pretty good. Today. Yeah. So you're just the yeah. you're just the meat sickle that goes and rides them. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're 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 working your way up the chain. Yes. <laughs> One day I'll be like you. Um, I all I do is work on them and complain. Yeah, you should you should try it. It won't get you very far. Trust me. <laughs> so, okay. Anything else cool? What else have we got coming up on the on the website? Anything good? Um, I don't know. That was a big long. That was a big long silence. I don't know. I I need some time to put some stuff up there that I've done. But uh, yeah, we just you know keep getting bogged down doing this damn podcast. Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. I need some. I need some help with some graphics and promoting some of this stuff. Know a guy? I know, I know a guy. Yeah, I need to need to talk to my talk to my interns. You can you can knock this guy right off there, and then all of a sudden people will be giving you free bikes to ride, and they'll call you up. You get to go <laughs> ride in perfect conditions, and you don't have to wash the bikes. It's awesome. Catered That's, lunch. Catered lunch. Did Scott have a catered lunch for you? No, um, he did not. Actually, yeah. I had to I had to provide lunch for Jay. Oh. Yeah, see, it's not you're not to the top tier just yet. No, <laughs> so. I'm okay, Bob, uh, San Felipe Bob says a YZ250X would have uh, wiped both those bikes. You know, pretty good. Uh, maybe a regular YZ250. You don't yes. you don't like the X? I'm not a huge fan of the X. Really? Mainly because I hate wide ratio transmissions. Oh, see, everything I like, he hates. <laughs> Is like so. So you like the the KTM slash Gas Gas slash Husky three fifty? I love the I love the three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so see that's that good, that's, no, it's good. It's, it's that's why I, I like testing with Trevor because he doesn't he and, he and he doesn't care what I like either. I'll tell him no, this is better, and he goes what? <laughs> so hey, no, it's good to have different opinions. That's why they make different flavors of stuff. So well, right on, Trevor. Good job on the uh, good job on the Glen Helen thing. Uh, what are you going to ride at the twelve hours? Um, uh, do I have to ride that one? 
<laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. No, I, I'm, I'm not in charge anymore, so you can ride whatever you want. I just, I just uh, take a stock KT, a stock KTM 500, and just go, go on that. Maybe 450x. So actually, just talk to talk to talk to Johnny. Get on one of his teams. You might be fast enough now. Huh? You can talk to that Johnny Campbell guy. Oh, he's a big deal, though. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> so, okay. Well, hey, thanks for uh, letting us call you in, and uh, we will keep in touch. All right. Sounds good. Okay. See you, Trevor. Bye. Okay. That was Trevor Hunter, and that's how we're going to wrap up the show on some good news that uh, they went out and took the Dirt Bike Test KX250X to uh, a second place, and that's pretty good, actually. I won that race before on a Husaberg. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I don't know. I no, I raced, I raced it on a Husaberg with Ryan Orr, and and we, I think we were winning, and we got a flat tire, and we didn't have any spare wheels or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just you know usual stuff. Well, we changed the tire and still got. I think now I'm kind of mem- jogging the memory, but yeah, good times. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, I thank everybody. Thanks, thanks, girls, for coming in. That was an awesome read. Huh? You you ready to do this more often? Oh, yeah. yeah, Logan's right, right on the chopping block, <laughs> especially if he keeps crashing, like inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole. Sure he just got off his crutches. Now he's in a sling. Yeah. Logan was untouchable. Yeah. You need to start applying those things we practice and you teach, evidently, in your riding school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, okay, everybody. Well, thanks a lot. We will uh, see you maybe next week. We'll see how it goes. Depends on how the snowboarding is. <laughs> that could make the call or not. So, uh, anyways, you know what we say at the end of the show? Good night. No. <laughs> we say we'll see you out in the trail. Cheers. This episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday is brought to you by Recluse. Recluse is the maker of the auto clutch. And a lot of people say, Jimmy, do you really use recluse clutches? And the answer is yes, I do. And the reason is I sometimes just want to be lazy and not have to use my clutch at all. I don't want my bike to stall. It just makes riding that much easier and pleasurable. I mean, how many of us are driving a manual transmission car anymore? I'm looking around the room, uh, nobody. And this is kind of what I think about the recluse clutch. If something can do it almost as good, if not better than you, wait, better than 96% of you, I'm, I'm in that 4%. Uh, you should just get a recluse. Uh, they, When they're used properly, they increase clutch life, they increase traction, they teach you about the torque of your motorcycle and how reluctant to stalling, especially fuel-injected bikes are and you will become a better rider. I've said this, it increases you by a skill level with a recluse clutch. So if you want to know more, go to www.reklusc.com and we will uh, see you in the next episode.